You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What's up, everybody? This podcast is brought to you by CasaTheRock.com, home of that fly DIY. Go support the movement and cop some merch. Also, follow me at HoyaRock357 on Instagram. Stay up to date with everything Madball, Smoking Word, and Casa the Rock. Look out for our YouTube channel coming soon. But um, definitely spread the word. Rate it. Rate that shit high. Leave a comment. Make it good. Spread the word. Support the movement. We back. Today's guest, my good friend, funny motherfucker, New York OG. Kamal Hamed from the Jerky Boys. Let's set this shit off. Welcome, Welcome. to the Smoking Wedge. Welcome, Welcome, Welcome to the Smoking Word. Welcome to the Smoking Word podcast, my old friend. How you been? I've been okay, Hoya. Just hanging in there like everyone else, you know, with this uh, stuff going on in the world. Yeah, that's what it was crazy because you know I got to see you in New York. You know, unfortunately, it wasn't on a on uh, for on a good note, but I was it was good to see you. But um, I started. You know, I- you know, I'm I'm of Indian background, uh, Bangladeshi, whatever. We have a different look at life. You, you your mom uh, was a great lady, and you have to look at uh, life as how well people were celebrated and the love they gave yeah. and everything. Because this is just a journey we go on. We're we're all going to the same place sooner or later. You know? Yeah, no, definitely. That's a good way to look at it, and that's you know. We, you know, we try to do the same way after the morning, kind of, you start uh, thinking like that and all that good stuff, but it was good to see you. And, you know, a lot of people don't know we're old friends. So it was good. You know, this is what I was, I want this. Let let me tell you something about us being old friends. You big bongo head looking. I met your brother first. Yeah. This is what I was going to say. I I want you to tell the story. I saw you guys in the neighborhood. You started infiltrating my my uh, good neighborhood <laughs> with your greasy hair. With your greasy hair. Okay. Right. Uh, go ahead. With your with your olive olive oil oh. voice. No. So <laughs> you guys. So I I saw your brother first, and your brother looked crazy to me, and I I said, man, these guys look these guys look vicious. Who who the hell are these guys? So one day in the bar, it was called Alcatraz. He's sitting next to me, and you're sitting next to him. And I said, hey, listen, I don't know you, but we know the same people, so I'm going to say hello. My name is Kamal. So he was friendly, shook my hand. We started talking. We were friends right away. And then he goes, oh, yeah, this is my brother, Hoya. And I was like, oh, how you doing, Hoya? And I had my hand out. You were like, yeah, what's up? You didn't even take up my hand. You big looking like the little kid from Apocalypto. You listen, listen. So first of all, let me tell you from my perspective, because there's always two sides of the story. Right, right. So we used to be at this bar, the Alcatraz. If anybody knows that, that was like the OK Corral of the Lower East Side at one point. So I would see this big looking Indian. I don't know if he was Indian or Puerto Rican hybrid type of human walking with a leather jacket. And he would you would walk in with this fucking doctor's bag 
like a, like a, like a medical, you know, the old school doctor bags that you house calls. You had some bag, but I remember being I like, I never had no bag, man. Listen, you had a bag. Listen, this is what I remember. Let me tell my story. And I was like, oh, and you were always downtown. And again, like you said, we knew a lot of the same people. And I was like, this dude got to be a drug dealer. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what else? He ain't making house calls at the fucking Alcatraz, you know, drinking beers at the end of the bar. And then I remember we had met. I forgot the actual day when we met. But then I remember you had pulled out the tape. And you were like, oh, shit, you said something about the tape. And then, you know, we put two or two together. And it was like a lot of my boys were already into the Jerky Boy tapes. Or like not a lot of them, but some of them were starting to pass that shit around. I want people to know. Let people First of all, I want people to know this. You're an old school Low East Side guy. Let people well, know. Well, I want to I want to clarify that um, my I was born in East New York, Brooklyn. And when my that. parents, yeah, when my parents got a divorce, my father moved to the Lower East Side and opened up an, uh, uh, an Indian. Well, you know, Bangladesh wasn't even a country yet. It was called East Pakistan. He opened an Indian restaurant and I moved to Astoria with my mother. But as as a kid, I would get on the train at, at four or five years old by myself sometimes and go to the Lower East Side to see my father. And I, I would stay there on the weekend. So I actually ended up moving there when I was like 15 and a half or 16. But um, yeah, so like it was always there. But in fairness, I, I lived in two places. I lived in Astoria and the Lower East Side before I moved there. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember, and, and am I right or am I wrong that your father had the first Indian restaurant on the, yes, on the, on the he, block? He, the funniest thing is he came here as a, um, a uh, he, he, there was a program in America we were losing in science, like really bad. So there was a program to bring in all these people from all over the world who were smart in science to come here to go to a school and the school was going to be paid for it. And my father was so smart in science that he, he was like one of two people to be picked from, uh, from East Pakistan to come here. And he went to the University of Michigan. But his English was so bad, he, he started messing up. And then he just came to New York on a vacation and just he met my mother and they got married. It was a real, real romantic story. But, uh, but uh, that's, that's – wait, where were we going with this again? I forgot <laughs> no, all about No, your, your pops having the first – Oh, right, right. So when he was uh, – when, 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 he, when he was settled and got a job and everything, he started sending for his brothers. So he started sponsoring his brothers to come. So they all got jobs doing something. And, and there was this Japanese restaurant that was closed that my father paid the landlord. Hey, can I, can I, uh, can I pay you to, to use this place? Like, like a social club for like East Pakistanis. I guess they were like, instead of, instead of doing mob stuff, they were like rolling curry or something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So, yep. so he had this, they, they were just drinking tea and hanging out and everyone kept knocking on the door going, Hey, you open, you open. They're like, no, this isn't a restaurant. And then he said, they said, Hey, why don't we open a restaurant? We don't know nothing about the restaurant, but let's learn. Let's open. And they opened and it was a big hit because it was in the late sixties with all them hippies. Yep. They were into the Indian stuff. It was right down the block from the, the Fillmore East. And Perfect as a little kid, I remember going in there. I remember seeing all these rock people in there. I said, I could have met Led Zeppelin in there for all I know. I could have met Jimi Hendrix for all I know, you know? <laughs> yeah, and that's crazy. And um, people don't know that. They may not know it by hearing your tapes that you're actually a funny guy. So, um, but, Oh, um, look at you with your big Bosco head. <laughs> listen, <laughs> but all right, but let me ask you this. Uh, among right. other things, you're a right. semi-decent bass player also. 
But let me ask. I remember. Let me tell you something. If you took every finger off my hand and left me with a stub, I would run circles around you on the bass. Listen, that's cute. I got two. I play two strings, but I got ten albums out. That's the difference. (laughs) You big big fake chicken (laughs) marsala. You big chicken marsala sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, but 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 let me ask you this. All right, were you always? I mean, you always had that. You know, we had those quick snapbacks. Was that right. something in your family, or that was something that you had? My, was- my, my. You know what's funny? My father isn't a funny guy, like as far as like cracking joke, but he was funny at insulting without even realizing it. <laughs> like you know, he would just like you know, he would just throw you out of his house if you said something stupid. But he would he would say something that would make us laugh because he was like he was. So maybe I got it from there. I don't know, but. I was always a guy that used to hang out and just snap like like with people like you know we would just hang out and snap for hours so like when I moved to the Lower East Side as a hobby I used to just hang out on the street corner just like How many hours did we spend on that corner dissing everybody that walked up and down and those streets One of the greatest stories I tell is we were all it was Halloween night in the early 90s sometime we were all hanging out, snapping on each other. You're big, you're big, and you know all that back and forth. <laughs> From far that. away, we saw this little this guy dressed all in pink, yes, with a a table on his head that looked like a hat. I and remember. And we were like, "What the fuck?" And then so the guy comes close to us, and we go, "Yo, what the fuck are you supposed to be?" And he goes, "Oh, I'm a piece of bubble gum underneath uh, uh, the desk." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my brother were just talking about that. Like, we both, that shit's indebted in our heads from that. You know I mean? yeah, but how amazing was that? That was when New York, before, that was really the last period of New York before all these, like, people yeah. from all over the country came in, took it over. All the, all the, all the mom and pop places are gone. Yeah. All the all the excitement is gone. It's just all oh god, the hipster thing. It 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 just destroyed New York. The gentrification. This is th- these were the days when it was still kind of dangerous. In, well, I guess it's dangerous yeah. now with the with what's going on. But I mean, th- th- these were the, like the last before everything got sanitized. Yeah, that's for sure. That's a good way of putting it. And I was gonna say um, yeah um. So you you think you picked up your your chops from just regular? being New York, you know, snapping on each other and all that, because, you know, you ended up making that a career. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is that when I would goof on someone, it wouldn't be one-on-one, like three or four guys would chime in on me. (laughs) So I would get jumped by snaps a lot of times, but I, you know, you learn how to goof back. But uh, the only thing it did was it, it, it made your improvisational skills pretty good which which you needed for prank phone calls and whatnot and 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 let me ask you this all right before the 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 phone call started and all that did you ever think about trying to do some comedic or you just or that was the first thing that kind of said oh you know the funniest thing before you met me i was always trying to get in the band you know you know me as this big beefy bouncer looking type guy truck driver guy but there was a time like i tried you know i was like all rock star looking and everything. And, uh, and I was trying to really get in a band, but it was like a little bit before that time when that funky, heavy rock stuff was accepted. And that's what I was kind of into. And I never could, you know, and that was the days when bands wanted everyone to look the same. Like it was weird to have some dark 
guy in a band. You know, you know what I'm saying? Everyone's like some white kid or something. Now it doesn't matter. But this was that time period. So I was always too late for that or too early for this. So when I was trying to get these bands, in between like us rehearsing or something, I would be like, you know, busting people's balls like in a band and everything. And everyone kept saying, you know, you know, you know, if we ever do a gig, man, you should go on stage and tell jokes in between songs or something like that. And I would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? And everyone used to say that. And then when that Jerky Boy tape came out, I was still trying to get in a band. And people said, dude, you should get in a band only so you could play the tapes. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I was going, well, look, I guess if that's what they think of my music, I guess I should stop doing music because they're telling me to play some fucking prank phone calls on stage instead of my music. So, yeah. So that, that I, I, was, I seen a picture of you with that in, in Living Curry hair. I saw that picture. Uh, with that again, what about you with your fake Eric Estrada <laughs> after Thanksgiving look? Uh, listen, <laughs> and listen, so all right, but now let's rewind about this is stuff about right. the tape that I ne that I never really knew. So, right, did you warm up? So you would, did you start? Were you and the other guy? Were you? Oh, were you well, doing here, that? Okay, here's how it really started. The other guy, whose name is John Brennan, I call him the other guy because we, we don't talk anymore. We had a bad falling out. But yeah. he used to live with, a, with his best friend, who, who I knew as well. These guys are five years older than me. And his best friend had a brother that was, at the time, my best friend. So we were always hanging out, whatever. One day I go to their house. It was on a Friday. And they had a, an apartment in Middle Village, Queens. I go there and they were like playing this tape. They go, look at these calls. Me and, me and uh, the other guy ended up coming out with a CD called Big Ant. And he was the John Musacha tape guy. Uh -huh. so, so they were playing me the, the original, real original calls. Like the Get Brett Where I Said and, and, um, and, and the Auto Mechanic and all that stuff. And the other guy had his calls. And I was laughing and I was like, yo, man, I... I I'm going to do that. So I went the next day. I, I went again on Saturday the next day, and I made calls. And then I think I went again on Sunday, and we made some calls uh, the, between the two of us, and that was it. I, I recorded all of them. We had them all on the tape, and that was it for, like, years, just just on three days worth of calls. And I was about to, I was the Lower East Side. I would just give them out. I would give copies to people. And then the next thing I know, like three years later, I'm sitting in a bar and all these people are laughing next to me and I was daydreaming and I wasn't paying attention. And then I heard the guy go, and then he said, get Brent where I said, and they're all laughing. So I go, yo, yo, you're talking about a, a prank phone call tape? Yeah, yeah, it's this tape going around. It's, it's some dudes in Pittsburgh or something. I go, no, it's not. It's me and a friend from Queens. And they were like, get the fuck out of it. That's my friend in Pittsburgh. And, and they would all think it was someone that they knew from somewhere else and I kept telling people it isn't it's me and 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 my boys and everyone thought I was full of shit but I knew in my head that no matter how much you disguise your voice the voice is something that they they have machinery that could tell it's you like it's it's more accurate than fingerprints yeah your voice. yeah so I knew no one could ever take claim for it uh, if we came out of the woodwork so here I am I I tried getting uh uh, a manager like a like someone invest in us uh, a lawyer i did all this stuff and the other guy was saying ah what are you doing all that for this ain't gonna go nowhere but i kept i kept doing it because people were it was a phenomenon the guy didn't believe me the minute it was crazy. someone said i will put up money here's money let's get going 
he decided to backstab me and be like, yo, this is my thing. I'm the one that came up with it first, you know, this and that. And I, I just hated his guts the whole time after that. So that's why we always, we had a bad fall. And, and, and that and that falling out happened before the movie? Oh, way before the movie. Way we, before. We, yeah, we, we hated, I hated him. Then we kind of laxed off a little bit because we started getting so famous that, you know, it's exciting, so you forget about stuff. I, I forgave, forgive and forget and everything. But then, like, when the movie came out, he he, he just turned so impossible. And yeah. I was going to quit before any of this happened. I, I went to Bangladesh on a trip with my father, and I was telling him the story. And we drove right by a big pyramid worth of garbage. Like, it was like the size of the pyramids, like this this garbage dump. And it was so stinky that I covered my face and we were in a car with air conditioning and it was so smelly and there were children on top of this garbage eating it because they were so poor. My father said, you see that? He goes, that's how most people in the world live, but you don't know that because you're an American. And he says, if you leave something where you could get a couple of dollars doing something that's stupid, that insignificant, when this is going on in the world, I'll disown you. And I said, you know what? I he's right. <laughs> you yeah, know? now I know for sure, for sure. I'm complaining about all this, all this little, like little bullshit. Uh, and and then there's kids that are so poor they're eating garbage from a dump. You know, don't I sound like the ugly American? Yeah, you yeah, know, no, you're so, just ugly. But yeah, um... <laughs> you know what? I was I said when I said that, watch him say some stupid shit. I said no, he won't. Do that. Oh, uh, had, so like, you got your crystal ball out now too? Okay, I got you. Yeah, you big. <laughs> You big Buddha. Yeah. Listen, yeah, yeah. But let me ask you this. All right, so, but yeah. before that, so you did your first couple of tapes got leaked out from just random calls, right? Because some of my boys had got a, a hold of that tape, and I don't know. Yeah, no, if, I was passing the tape out, and people just made copies and copies, and it and it went viral before the word viral was. Uh, yeah. It was like a Grateful Dead uh, tape, the way they used to spread tapes, like with those Grateful Dead fans. It was like. Yeah. It was like bootleg tape, they called it, you know? Yeah. And what was so, the first official tape out that, that, that you guys said, okay, we're going to, this is the one we're going to hand out. This is the one we're going to make a little cover for No, it. this the first stuff I handed out was just raw stuff. We didn't even edit anything yet. It was just like the raw stuff. And then a guy who turned out to be a psychopath invested money with us to do a 970 number. It was called 970-JERKY, A-U-JERKY where you could call up and hear like five minutes of the calls and whatever. And then that wasn't going anywhere. And this, this, this guy that was a retired record company owner, he put out our first record, but then a big company bought it off of him. And the big company wasn't really that big. They were a hip hop label, but they had major distribution and the hip hop label was like working at this place it, it just made me realize how disgusting the record business is as you should know yeah. they're, they're the most disgusting people the what what they take like our stuff costs nothing like you're in a band where you got to go to the studio and record tracks and do this and even before you you had to set some money aside to make a video and all this yeah. kind of stuff so there was money that you had to you had to invest in the band and whatnot we were nothing we were like get us a couple of six packs and we'll make these calls and we used to do it from our own apartment it wasn't like we went to a studio or something yeah and and i think when we saw the contract you know we were getting a dollar and 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 i did the math i said so a cd comes out it's like 
what is it, twelve ninety nine? You know, and then you do the math in your head. You go, okay, well, I guess the the place that makes the record, the the CDs, got to get a little piece. Then the people that ship it out got to get a little piece. Then the record stores that carry it got to get a little piece. And then the record company got to get a little piece. But then I'm going, yeah, but there's like, there's a lot of little pieces here that I don't see. Like, okay, so. a big piece. Yeah, like, like, how could we only get, you know. And then I remember when we got into this place, the guy was driving a Volkswagen, the owner. When we left that place, the guy had a fleet of Mercedes Benzes, man, for every day of the week. He had, And then we're looking at each other going, Yo, man, this motherfucker got like a fleet of Mercedes Benzes, and we're still like fucking. So when they when they offered that movie and the movie, they they said they'll pay us a million dollars, like yeah. you know the two of us, right? I I just said, yo, fuck the fucking record, fuck that. I'm doing this shit. I don't give a fuck. I don't care if it's the worst fucking thing, and it was the worst thing because it, it it ended our careers the minute it came out. But okay, but before the movie, when you would record those early um, um calls, what was it? A tape recorder or an answering? It, it, you know what's funny? Every we must have got like a thousand people in the record recording business asking us how we recorded because it sounded so good. They were wondering what tricks yeah. we use and everything. The truth to the matter is, it was a speaker phone, but it was like this rare. It was like a I think it was like a Panasonic phone. I can't even remember now, but it had like such a crazy speakerphone that when people were on speaker, they didn't know they were on speaker. Yeah. Usually, you know, you're on a speakerphone, but they yep. didn't know because the, the, the sound sounded so good. It, it didn't sound like you were on speaker. And then the radio we had, it was a boom box that had like this great condenser mic in it that great. it used to pick up the call so good that it sounded like we were in some fancy studio recording, but it was just a boom box and a speaker phone. It was yeah, the most ghetto shit going. Yeah. And, it, uh, and, and so you used that. And then on your, when, how many records you did as the jerky boy, you just did one official. No, record? no, we did, uh, I think officially well, shit, man. I think we have six out, oh, maybe six out. Cause yeah. I know them all through hearing them in different times. And I never knew, when they can't, and every time I well, heard I left play. after the I I officially left after I believe the fifth one. Oh, I okay. like had very little to do on the fifth one. And when people say, "Well, you know, you're not on a lot of them," what happened was, is that we shook hands at fifty fifty before anything happened. We said, "Hey, listen, if anything ever becomes of this, it's fifty fifty." He says, "Of course, of course." The minute we got a record deal, he did some fucking nefarious shit behind my back. They thought he was going to be like uh, John Belushi or something yeah. and really push him. And they thought I was just more like a sidekick or whatever. So the next thing I know, it was like 60, 40 hits. And then that's uh -huh. when I went to Bangladesh. And my, I was going to quit, but my father said, stay. So I ate crow. I took, I stayed for 60, 40, but I told him straight up, I go, you want 60, 40, then you're doing 60, 40 of the work. Yeah. Is what I said. I says, I'll just do the minimum shit. I don't give a fuck. And, and what know, was the first? What was the first character you did that 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 caught on? You know, the funny thing is, the early stuff I did was not was not my um, the Indian character or the uh, or or the Kissel character. It was very sexual oriented stuff, like <laughs> dirtbag stuff. Like one of the first call, you know, one of the early ones was like call a hotel, and I'm saying, can I bring my wife there? You could. You could fuck my wife and all this yeah. sick shit. I was doing stuff like that. 
And then, but they, those calls like take a long time to like, you know, really get going. So then I, I just, something happened when I had a pizzeria in Williamsburg, right? This is how I came up with the Indian character. It's a, it's a classic story. I had a pizzeria in a Williamsburg in this building and I was in the back of, in the ground floor in the back of the pizzeria, right? And there was this Bangladeshi guy that lived on the top floor and, um, one day I'm sleeping and I think I'm having a dream of someone calling my name. And then I wake up and I go, man, I could have sworn I heard so. And then I hear, come on. Ah! <laughs> like, right? I go, what the fuck? So I, 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 I'm balls naked. I get up, I open the door and long in the hallway. I see this big black crackhead guy who caught this Bangladeshi guy in between the door from the street and that little section that has the mailbox yeah. and then the door to get in the building. He caught him in between those two doors. He was beating the fucking living piss out of this, this Bangladeshi guy. And his face would disappear from the door and come back up. Come on! Ah! <laughs> like, so, so I was jumping up and down like, what do I do? What do I do? I threw on a pair of pants. I grabbed a baseball bat. And I ran out, and the guy saw me coming, but he still, he was trying to rob the guy. He didn't run away. He was still trying to rob the guy's money. So I opened the door, and I started swinging a bat. And, and I was swinging him. The guy with the Indian Bangladeshi guys on the floor going, ah! And then, and then the black guy's going, ah, because I'm hitting him. And then he was trying to get out of the door. The Bangladeshi guy's hanging on to his feet. And I swung as hard as I could. And I missed the black guy. And I hit the fucking Bangladeshi guy right on the head. And he was going, ah, oot. He made that sound, oot. And he was knocked out. And I actually started laughing. Right? Uh. So the next day, everyone was coming in the pizzeria. What happened? What happened? And I was telling the, the story. And when I was saying the Bangladeshi guy was going, ah, ooh, ah. When I was doing the guy's voice, everyone was laughing so hard that it made me say, holy shit, I think I got something here. Yeah. Maybe I should do this guy's voice. Like, so that's, that's what made me do that England character. Like, I'm always, like, beat up or... Or like I go get yeah. my tooth fixed and like the, my pants are unbuttoned and yeah. everything. <laughs> and, and it was and, uh, what happened, yes. That no, and um what you call it, um <clears throat> how many characters you had in total? You had him, what well, was, I, there, I, was there any main, was there any yeah, characters my, that never made it on any of the tapes? No, they they pretty much my two main ones were, were Kissel, the old guy like Hello, yeah. what time are you guys gonna come fix my sink? It was that that old know. World yeah. War II guy. And where did that come from? You know, the other guy had this like fake uncle type guy. His name was Uncle Vinny. He was like an Italian dude that was a World War II guy. And I mimicked his voice. But all the stories that I kind of told was from my next door neighbor growing up in Astoria. He was also a World War II guy. And he used to tell me all these bugged out stories. And he was like a real crazy, like drunk type guy that would just... He, it, they, the two of these people were insane, but I, I liked them. So I just combined the two of them, I you know, and I came up with that Kissel. Okay. And the, the, the name Kissel, when I was trying to come up with a name, I was on the train and there was some yogurt coming out at the time and they had advertisement for it that said Kissel yogurt. I don't know why, but I thought the name was so funny. I just started laughing. Yeah, it worked. And I used that name, yeah. But I had these other characters that I just used, like that hip-hop guy, like, <laughs> like that one like like i had like these little one hit things that i would just do like once you know little hit and run characters but uh 
And the, yeah, at, at that point, I, I just didn't want to really do much with it. I was contractually yeah. obligated. So I just was like, all right, we kind of did this shit. But, you know, I'll, you know, I'll do the minimum and let me get yeah. out of here. And you when know? you when you got signed and you started doing um, the calls, like officially on a label and all that, you was where were you doing them out of a studio? No, all the time. It was still the same way. We we wow. we did it in an apartment. And, you know, I think I think one time they had us come into the studio to do some calls, like promotional kind of shit. But they never work when you're in a studio because, like, it works so much better when you're in a like in an apartment and you you, you got like six beers in you and you just call and phones. And we got so good that the other guy would just make a phone call and the phone's ringing. And then he's, and then at the last second he'd say doctor's office, and then in that split second you would have to come up with like, well, okay, what character do I use? <laughs> but, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. And and um, what do you call it? Um, when did? All right, you start when you started doing those. You know, when you started doing it officially, like you know, you're on the label. You know, you're putting out records or whatever. How, how did the whole movie thing come up? Like, you know, you were well, moving the units. First album, yeah, no, the first album was selling like hotcakes like when i mean hot it, it became like like forget it like i i remember when it came out it wasn't doing anything at first and i kept going to the corner saint mark's uh there was a newsstand on saint mark's place that i would go to to see if we made the billboard top 200 we didn't make it we didn't make it and one day i go we were number 200 i jumped up and down I ran home. It was like four in the morning, and I was so excited. When I opened my door and turned on the light, there was a rat's tail hanging out of the ceiling. So I just I, I started laughing. I go, "We made the top two hundred. I got a rat's tail hanging out of the ceiling." Yeah, I, I made and then, it, ma. Yeah, I made it. Look at me, ma. But from that, it it just like it just like went bananas after that. Not too far after that, it went bananas. And the next thing you know, we sold like a million copies, and then we were on our way to selling double platinum and That's then crazy. like they did a big story on us on um Kiny chung did okay. some big uh, thing on us and and uh what's his name sorry to my, my mind went blank uh emilia westervez saw us on this thing and he flew us out to to uh la and tony danza too like yeah danza i remember you telling me tony danza was involved with it Tony Danza and Emilio Estevez. I, we only met Emilio once, but Tony Danza took us to meetings. They all kind of turned us down. And then, uh, and then um, Disney said that they would do it. But like um, Warner Brothers really wanted us. And the other guy didn't want to go with Warner Brothers. Like all the bad moves we made was the other guy and the manager. That's why I just hated everything to do with like, the reason I don't talk so much about the trigger is my memories about, the the partner, the yeah. management, the, the lawyer, every every single thing I had like such contempt for. I just hated everybody because I came from the school like, dude, like we're having fun. Let's just like go out there. Let's make a couple of dollars, fucking, yeah. and and go into the sunset. Like you know, buy a house or something. This bit like, and, and they were just doing some like ill shit, backstabbing. Like, uh, say, smile to your face, uh, backstab you behind you, like all that fucking nasty shit. And that's what that's what just got me so disgusted with everybody, the business, with them, with everybody. So, but, like, but, but the, the, the yeah. first record win platinum. 
double platinum. The double the first. Oh, right off. Oh, so you got to to feel success like big time right off the grip. Well, you know, right off the top of the first album. The scary thing is, I was going to cooking school at the time, and I that left. Is scary. Yeah, no, I was. I was. My father said, "Figures the only time this guy gets good grades it involves eating," and uh, yeah, and I was doing really good. And right before I was ready to graduate, I had to leave to promote the album, so I never actually graduated. And and the thing was doing so well, and uh, and then the second album it came out, it debuted at number twelve, which That's is amazing. Crazy. Like I went into a record store; they had all like these hits, like the top bands, the top talent and then we're number 12 That's and i was crazy. just like that is fucking nuts man yeah and insane. you know and then the, the minute the movie came out boom everything ended overnight overnight the movie and the scary thing is the biggest fan base we had was the northeast and they put that shit out in january or something right the worst month to show something right and the day before, it came out on a Thursday, and it was number two in the country. So, like, we were thinking, all right, wait till the weekend. The weekend is when all the kids and everything are going to see it. And then a big snowstorm hit the whole Northeast. Like, it, 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 it buried everywhere from, from uh, Philadelphia all the way up to, like, Boston. We were, like, covered in, like, two feet of snow. I don't think, I don't know if you remember that, in 95. Yeah, and no one went out. And then the reviews came out and said, "Yo, this shit is like the worst and everything like that." So like, like it it just ended. Like the the when the numbers don't come in, they don't care if yeah. the reviews are bad. If, if people ain't spending money, like how you know we used to call the agents and everything, they would answer the phone in two seconds. After that weekend, they never answered the phone again. That's crazy. I mean, I know that's how this is such a cutthroat fucking business. It's terrible. Entertainment. So yeah. when they when they're shopping the movies, right? That you, you you're going around to different um, um places, different um studios. You get all right, boom. They say, okay, we're gonna do the movie. How that felt, like right off the grip, you know, was well, you know they, it, that's what I was gonna say. I was in cooking school, and then like the next thing you know, like I mean, I'm in like the albums out, and then the movies out, and I was just like, it, it happened in the blink of an eye, and and, and I'm like. We're in a fucking movie? Like what the fuck? Like I'm hanging out with Ozzy Osbourne. I'm yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Um, I remember you calling us up and saying, "You called me and Loretta and um MQ. You were like, yo, come out, come out um, to the movie. Um, um, um be, become a what you call it a, a background guy. You'll get a check. So just come through and eat the food. I remember you telling us that, <laughs> and we rolled up and we got extra work in the movie in the background. Did, did you see yourself in the scene? Yeah, yeah, and I remember you kept, I, you know, trying to get me in scenes, like bumping into me, trying to diss me as much as you could, like you tried to do in normal life. But, right. um, but I remember, like, um, I remember me and MQ were eating the catering, and we're, you know, we're listening to everybody around us. We're just trying to see. We're like, oh shit, they got sandwiches, and we hear the people around us. They're all like these actor guys trying to get off. And we're like they're just trying to catch a check and maybe get in the scene. It was pretty funny, but it was uh, a. <laughs> but the, the cool thing was that that boom. I know how much you love music and Ozzy. You got you got Ozzy. How was that to get you know? You know, it, you know the you th him? the thing is when I met Oz, they put us in a trailer with him, and he thought like we're just like comedian type guys, whatever. I was I was like mesmerized. I told him all about Sabbath. He thought I was pulling his leg. Until I was telling him all these 
stories about Sabbath that I knew that only a fan would know. And then he was like, yeah, I guess you are a fan of me and everything. And, and then the funny thing is the other guy always told me he hated Sabbath and Ozzy and everything. So he's such a phony in front of Ozzy. He goes, oh, man, I used to do all your songs and bands, oh. couple bands. And I go, oh, really, John? What song were they? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know what to say. He didn't like it. He got, no, no, I used to do these songs. Really? But tell us, what song? Yeah. And, and, and he just laughed because he knew I busted him so hard. And he just, like, didn't say anything after that. But like I was talking about, yeah. And the funniest thing is, is like, like I told you to come by. There's this other friends, I uh, these two guys that I used to jam with, and one of them has like long, kind of blonde hair. So they came, and the 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 uh, PAs and everything thought he was Ozzy, and they put <laughs> them in like the Ozzy's trailer and everything. And, and and my friends thought that like, oh wow, Kamal really hooked this up. <laughs> And then they realized these motherfuckers ain't either. They threw him out on the street and everything. Oh, it was hysterical when I found that out. I remember it was in that club right um by um the wetlands in that area, remember? That's right. It was that club over there and then for a little bit of time, Ozzy and his wife, Sharon, they were very friendly. They would send me Christmas cards. They invited me to his fiftieth uh birthday party. I used to get calls, but you know, when when you become uh you know, you're not in the, in the public eye anymore I stopped hearing from them like uh, <laughs> like all the other celebrities <laughs> were friends with me back then and, and, and also you had Helmet in that scene you remember playing in the band the, 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 the band yeah, playing the was singer, Helmet the, the singer talked some shit about us in the press and everything did he? yeah uh, Paige Hamilton but I, I, I know that the um, I know you guys are very close with the guitarists, I think. My, well, my brother grew up with them, yeah. With, with, right, um, right. But, yeah, they, they were nice guys. I, 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 look, we were all young. I, I'm sure, like... But what the know, fuck were they talking about? They were in your movie. I Yeah, but I, I think when they saw the movie, the, the singer guy said a couple of, like, uh, ah, like, popped off a little bit, you know? So, like, I was a yeah. little mad. But yeah. now that I look back, I mean, I hate the movie, so I should have. I should have agreed with him. And, and let me tell you, it ain't like the, the worst movie. What it was for you, what you guys did, you guys had to have more. The raw stuff was the stuff that, like, bit people. You know what I mean? That was the no, stuff. No, you, you was to... bad. No way it was bad because, like, Disney told us right to our face. That's who put it out. They said yeah. you can't make the kind of movie you want to make because we're Disney. At the end of the day, we're a family. Thing and everything yeah. when warner brothers met us they said you could do anything you want we're warner brothers like we got famous making fucking gangster movies for yeah. crying out so we should have went with warner and the other guy was like no no we're going with disney because they're, oh, they're you, had you see the what option. i'm saying all, yeah all the bad all the bad decisions were that guys and and he never owned up to that shit you know and everyone listened to him. They, they they thought he was the the fucking he was the golden calf or something, you know. So I just yeah. said, "Fuck it, let, let the him." Golden listen. ass, the golden yeah. ass. Yep. They all. And you know what, what? What else was cool that you guys got to do? You know, I remember it was um. You know that's big. You know, platinum records, a movie, even the Mariah Carey shit. You know, what the other guy was doing that shit. Right? I was supposed to do that, and I did the most fucked up thing. The, right before I was gonna shoot that video, I met Tommy Matola. Her husband, Tommy. I met him through. What the fuck did you you tell him? (laughs) No, I met him with Big Pussy, uh, Vinnie Pastore. He said, 
he was down the block from where I lived in Hell's Kitchen at the time. And he says, we're at this bar, come meet us. And then he told me, you know who this is? This is Mariah Carey's husband. He's the president of this and that. And I got drunk and I just started talking mad shit about the other guy, the jerky boy so much that I think he told Mariah, like, you better not have this guy in the set. I think he's going to kill the guy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so like, the, yeah, so I think that's what happened. That that's but that's big shit, man. To be able to do a movie, you know, you got people like you know Mariah Carey, and that's when she was, you know, at the top of the world. I was but like, you know, man. you know, the thing that that no one talks about is like you're happy that these people want you. You're happy that you're signing autographs. You're being right, and then when the shit fails, and yeah. then people like don't want you no more. They don't prepare you for that crash. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And that's when. Thankfully, I, I never got involved with drugs or nothing, but that's how so many people, uh, they, they handle it a different way and they get all fucked up. Well, I'm talking. I was like, I was, uh, I, I was drinking like uh, 50 times a day that day, so I guess it doesn't matter. But I'm saying that like I didn't handle it too good when, uh, when, when that, the, the walls came tumbling down from that stuff. And then I, I decided to just walk away from that and get into uh, filmmaking. That's just what I was about to tell you. So after the movie, that was like the final straw, right? Where were you in that and 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 the well, I hated that. And, and and we still had albums to come out with, but when people go, "Why did you quit?" I gotta be honest. Even before I got into the filmmaking and everything, I just woke up one day and I just thought that shit was stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, and people go, "What do you mean?" I said, "I swear to God." I'm not like, you know, like I became friends with, you know, real comedians like Artie Lang, people like that, that are into comedy like 24-7. Yeah, I love comedy. I love watching Abbott and Costello and all that stuff. But I'm into like, you know, The Godfather and great yeah. movies and stuff like that. And I'm runaway, not... Runaway Train. Runaway Train and all these kind of things. So one day I just woke up and I just... I, I'm, it's not funny anymore. Like doing that stupid voice, you know? Like yeah. he was on a TV. He was on a morning show. A few years ago when I was editing a movie and people on Facebook is like, yo, 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 that other dude, he's going to be on Good Day New York or whatever, one of those shows. So I was up so early because I had to leave early to get in time to this place in Manhattan. So I was watching it and it was in the winter and I'm eating oatmeal or whatever. And he's on the show and they're telling him to do the voices and everything. And I'm thinking like, what if it, I never got into filmmaking and I was sitting next to him and then I was telling the, the voice, he's going, get red where I says and he's sitting on the couch and this dude is like five years older than me right yeah so I was picturing myself I said dude I, I gave him credit when the show was over I turned off the tv and I said I gotta be honest if I never got into filmmaking and I was like a guy at the time I would have been in my late 40s if that was me I would have came home later that morning I would have went upstairs I would have blew my brains out man. I was <laughs> I was so I just said I can't even imagine myself doing that at that mm-hmm. age. You know what I'm saying? Like I, like I, the film thing is everything to me now. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and, and all right, how did that come up? Were you doing any film while you were doing the 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 Jerky Boy stuff, or that just came after? No, you know the funny thing is, as a as a little kid, we had a a, a camera in the house, like a like a Super 8 camera that never even had film in it. But I used to pretend that I used to make movies with it. You know, I used to pretend in my head, like, like how to shoot a movie. And I used to storyboard stuff. And then I used to hang out with this cousin of mine who was older. We would go to 42nd Street in the 70s. I couldn't have been more than seven. 
and we'd go when it was all the Bruce Lee movies and, and black exploitation. Yeah. Yeah, we'd go there. They didn't even want to let me in. And then my cousin would say, no, I'm babysitting him. And they go, okay, come in. And I saw all the movies. That was my training, like watching all these grindhouse movies. So I was always into it. And then when I got into art design high school, um, I switched from being a commercial artist into, into motion pictures and everything. But when I left, I never really pursued it. And then after the Jerky Boy thing, the first thing I actually got into was, was writing screenplays. But then I, I, I slowly got into the filmmaking. I, I got a camera. I learned, I learned everything on my own. And I, and I shot stuff, wrote scenes, found actors, and it, it just developed slowly. But, you know, you got to start somewhere, you know? Yeah, and, and your first movie was? It was a film called God Has a Rap Sheet, but technically the first thing I did was a documentary called The Artist of Hell's Kitchen. Oh, I never knew that. I thought I just thought the God Has a Rap Sheet was your first... Uh, right, no, there was a documentary first, and the documentary was important because I'm telling you, when I would uh, approach actors, like serious guys to work with me, they only knew me from the Jerky Boy thing, right? And they weren't going to work with some guy known for prank phone calls. But when I showed them the documentary, they said, okay, okay, this guy's serious. Yeah. You know, so it helped, you know, it, it, it helped. And, and I, much as I hated the jerky boy thing, I have a lot of bad memories of it. It, now that all these years have passed, it helps with people wanting to work with me, locations that'll, no, no, you can't shoot here. Oh, wait a minute. You were the guy from the church. Oh, I yeah. loved you guys. Okay, you could shoot here. Like, that's where the shit comes in. Yeah, and, no, for sure. Because the jerky yeah. boys, that shit got around. Like, everywhere knows, you know, they know about it or about the even the concept of phone calls. Even if you guys weren't the first to do cranks, you're known uh, for being the crank guys. I have people that hated every minute of that shit, never thought it was anything. And then... I got calls from them. They, a guy, my judo coach, <laughs> called me up and he said, dude, I'm watching Jeopardy and you were a fucking answer on Jeopardy. <laughs> like yeah. he said, he goes, he goes, I was blown away, man. Like, cause, like there's some people that never found it funny or whatever, thought it was silly. And then once they seen how big it got, like they had to like give props. Yeah, and, and, and Yeah, so we got, and I met the most famous people in the world that said, like rock band, like everybody. That's what they said that they used to listen to us on the set or on tour. On tour, and yeah. We, yeah, we were like celebrities to them. That like was, regular people. Yeah, that was like before podcasts and before audio books. Yeah. You know, it was either you listen, the older guys listened to old comedy records, or it was this. It was like just the next thing. Nobody else was listening to no fucking audio books back then. Not like no, that. No, no. I'm, I'm telling you, like, like they would say to us on all the movie sets during downtime, the crew, actors, they would be listening to us. And I, I'm telling you, I met Benicio Del Toro. I was, like, mesmerized meeting because I think he's a great actor and everything. He was mesmerized by me. He was, he was like, dude, I, I know everything you've ever put out and everything like that. I was like, what? Yeah, like, and I, you know, all these kind of people I met, and I was just blown away that they, that they, they looked at us in such high regard. So, I said, look, we, we, were, we were like the Beatles or whatever at what we did. But, you know, that shit is over. You got to move on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, I and, mean, and, for me, at least, you know? Yeah. And, and the, what, what, what was your second movie? That's the most important. The second movie, I, I was having a... It's called Raptorius. It was, it, it, it was probably the, the least... 
the least acknowledged one I did because I, I learned something from that second one. I, I This Greek pot dealer said, <laughs> I'll my, the money. I, I swear to God. My, my, I remember, I, um, my brother. I, I love you, my brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that I'm, guy. <laughs> my brother, I feel for you, my brother. <laughs> that guy gave me the money to make. He goes, you know what's big, my brother? If you make like a hip-hop horror movie, I'll give you the money, my brother. <laughs> like, yeah, so I, he gave me he gave me this money, then he disappeared for like two years. Like, I didn't see the guy. So, like, I had to piece that shit together. So I said, you know what it needs? I need to put, like, this funny character in here. I need this big, Goya bean-shaped looking... Handsome. You said like, you need that Antonio Banderas of hardcore no, music. You don't know what I said to myself. I need the guy that's the brother of Kojak. That, that <laughs> yeah. Who, I couldn't get him, but you're the closest yeah, guy. Yeah, whatever. And that's so when I, I put, met your Puerto Rican Bengali cousin. Hard. <laughs> I, I didn't know if I was in. A, I felt like I was in a Salvador Dali painting when I was talking. <laughs> right, I was like, but um, but yet for everybody out there, I was in Kamal's movie and I was the star. I you know I ended up being. <laughs> you, I, I, I'm telling you right now, that's the best scene in the movies with you. The scenes with you. Uh, I ended up learning a lot. You learn from your mistakes. And the two biggest things I learned was don't make movies about sub like genres you don't even watch. I'm not really a horror fan. Yeah. I mean, I love the horror movies everyone loves, but I'm not like a pure horror fan. So yeah. I had no business making a horror movie. And I, I, I had a lead actor that I was going to use and the guy bailed out of me. And I just picked this guy because he was right there at the time. And I said, if we don't shoot now, the guy's going to take the money away. So fuck it. And I put this guy in. And I didn't realize everyone hated this guy. Even though he did a good job as an actor, they just Uh-oh. hated the way he looked. Rare. They yeah. hated the guy. So, And I ended up hating him. So, <laughs> yeah, so said, you learn a lot. Don't put someone that people hate in a part that you're supposed to like the guy. But you, you know, what, know what? But he wasn't bad. I don't think no, he no, was no. bad. No, no, no. As an actor... Yeah. He was good, but no one liked him. Liked him, yeah. And and the thing is, is that the 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 great actors are supposed are supposed to make you. It's acting isn't all about acting. Sometimes the reason why some people are stars is because you could like them even when you're supposed to hate them. Look at De Niro and Raging Bull. What's yeah. there to like about the guy? He's yeah, a horrible yeah. guy in that, but he's so engaging as an actor, and his his persona is so engaging that you you you. You're mesmerized watching him, but if it was an unlikable guy with with an unlikable aura, you, you would you, yeah. you couldn't watch it, you know. Right. So I learned a lot from that. That was true, and you know what I remember? Oh, we had some laughs on that. See, I remember. Well, for people that don't know, um, me and my brother were in a couple scenes of that movie where I played a drug dealer, and my brother was my bodyguard. And I remember you were doing a close up <laughs> of my brother's face for one of the shots. <laughs> And I remember you kept saying, all right, meaner, meaner. And I would look at you and even the, the guy, the assistant looked at you like, meaner, how much meaner could this fucking guy's face get? Fucking- I do that all as a goof, man. I, oh, swear to- I-, they, they, I don't know if anyone knows his brother out there. His brother's face looks like a clenched fist. <laughs> he looks like mean. When you don't know the guy, when you know him, you realize he's a wonderful guy. Yeah. Everything. When I didn't know the guy. I was like, "Yo, that dude looks scary, man." Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I just kept telling him, "Look meaner, look meaner." Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, the guy doesn't. If 
the guy rolled out of bed, he looked mean. You know? I know. He, I was like, I, I remember looking at you and another guy looking at you like, Yo, are you serious? How much fucking mean is this guy's going to break the camera? <laughs> His face is going to crack in half and then the cat. And then, um, yeah, so you, you did that. And then what was the movie? What you did right after that? I did a movie called A Thousand Times More Brutal. And I put a guy that you know very well, Peter Green. Yeah. Shout out to Peter guy. Green. The nut Not job. the guy that was in Fleetwood Mac that passed away the other day, but Peter Green that was in Pulp Fiction that played Zed. Yeah, the one and only Peter Green. Peter America's Green. America's nut job. <laughs> he's a friend. He, he's a great guy and a great actor. Great actor. And it's just a matter of time before he gets gets back on track again. Yeah, you know, why don't I tell you a quick Peter Green story. We're coming back from Ezek, which... You know Ezek very good. He he got married in California, and we're all flying back on a, on an early flight, right? And um, coincidentally, on the flight was a couple of my homeboys that were at the wedding. We didn't know. We all met up at the airport, and who comes rolling up? A fucking a tow truck, a, a, a pickup truck, zooming right into the airport. Scam gets out, and Peter Green gets out, and they, you know, who knows what? We're, you know, we were all tore down from the night before. It's like six in the morning. Long story short, we, we're on the same flight together back to New York. I remember I'm, la- I'm in like one of the back rows and Peter Green was all the way in the front. And I remember being in like by the window. And at one point I hear, yo, Hoyle, Hoyle. And I'm like, who's calling me? I wake up and it's Peter Green. And he's like eating like, like peanuts or something. He's like popping peanuts in his mouth. And he looks at me and says, yo, you want hot dogs? I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, you want to eat hot dogs? I go, nah, I'm good. He goes, all right. And just started chewing. <laughs> he ends up going. The next thing I know, we land in New York. He tells me, yo, Hoya, what's going on? About? Yo, where are we? And I was like, okay, it's time for me to go. He was on <laughs> his way. He was on his way to go to Italy to film another movie. I'm like, man, that must be some life where you're about to go fly, you know, fly to do a movie and you don't even know where the fuck you at. But You uh, know, it, 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 I worked with two actors that unfortunately kind of hit Sometimes because of some extracurricular activity they, they do in their private life. Peter Green and Tom Sizemore. Yeah, Sizemore. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, man, these guys, these, these guys, if they just would have, you know, stayed yeah. away from that stuff, they, yeah. they, they like, but then again, That's, because I know they didn't stay away from that stuff, they're working with me, you know, so yeah. I wouldn't have known <laughs> <laughs> the trickle down effect or some shit. Yeah, the trickle down effect, but I, I want them. I, I pray for them all the time to, to, to get their stuff together because they are two top actors Definitely. and they're really good guys, man. They're, yeah, they're yeah. really. And you know? let me tell you, Peter Green's a real motherfucker too. That's what I love. Like he's a real dude. He's he's, he's a real, real guy. You know. know? And what are he you doing? Did, now? I, I tell a, I tell a great story about 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 him. Um, we were shooting the, uh, a really intense scene in a mob club. I don't know how I got it. It was, a, it was in Bensonhurst. Someone got me a real Sicilian uh, social club. I don't know how I got it to this day. I don't know who hooked it up. We walk in all, this, all the most craziest looking dead eye, evil eye motherfuckers were playing, playing cards. They turn around and look at us and everything. And I was like, we are going to die. <laughs> like, like when we walk in. So we get in and I'm like, hey guys, how's everything? So Peter comes in and he's all joking around. He's like, hey, what is this, a gay club? 
And then everyone stopped what they were doing and they turned around. And and that's when I said, we're going to die. We're going to die. So I just, I got in front of him. No, 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 no. He just jokes around. He's he's just kidding, you know, joking. (laughs) And I start dancing like everything. Yeah, see, joking. Right, so then they they they, they give me that eh, fat man. They turn around, and they start playing. They turn around, they go, "Are you fucking crazy? We look, we're in a fucking mob coming. Are you fucking crazy?" So so we start shooting, and he's very intense, very very intense guy. And I yelled cut and told him to do it again from the top, and it fucked his head up. And he started like screaming at me, and he started berating me in front of the whole place. And I uh-huh. and I looked down to the floor i let him do it i just said look i just want to shoot this and get out of here and i and and he kept going on and on and on until he stopped and then we did it again and everything right so it was over we're packing up he's smoking a cigarette outside i said hey peter can i can i let's go around the corner for a minute let's go around the corner for a minute and he's like well what's up guy and we go around the corner right and i said it's just me and you there's no one else here Talk that shit you were talking to me in the club. And I swear, I was ready to do some old Soto Gari shit on that motherfucker so much. <laughs> and he backed out. He's like, oh, come on, man. I was just yeah. like, get around. Yeah. I was ready to buy. I said, don't you ever, ever fucking talk to me like that in front of people. Like, yeah. I said, you got a problem with me? You take me to the side. Talk to me in person. And then he admitted he was wrong. And we were, you know what? We've been a thousand times better friends after that. Yeah. because like yeah. at, that was at a point he didn't really know me that well and and we became very close friends after that yeah he's a good dude he's like again he, he intends dude and you know he, he he moves to his own beat that's for sure you know what i mean they, they ain't no fake shit about him as far as he's definitely on his own mission and you know again people that are are great at something usually are crazy you know what I mean? In some that, way. That's what I noticed. I, I noticed that uh, anyone in the arts, uh, it, it, it's usually anyone that's very good at something has has some issue, either abandonment, uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse, sexual identity. Yeah. Uh, it's anything that, that makes that, and, and they don't know how to express it, so it comes out in the art. And the people that don't have any expression, they get involved with violence or or yeah. something like that, drugs, and, and those are the ones that don't end up having a life or they spend it in jail or die or something like that. So that's why so many artists just are tortured souls, but they have, they have the, they, they can express it through the, through the medium, you know? Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. That's exactly what it is. It's like, like what a medium does with a spirit, you know, they, they need another avenue to, to let that shit out. And if it's oh, graffiti, drawing... You're trying to cycle babble. Uh, <laughs> Look at babble, cycle Baba Ganoush. You know, you're still thinking about that? You, man. You know, no, what no, I mean? that was good. no, one of the best of uh, 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 real throw it back real quick. One, I wish I had it. You left the ants uh, 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 during the days of answering machines in my old house. You called once and you were like, you started dissing me on the first part of the rent. You were like, you big. And then you were like, all right, Dave. You big, big man. You went out <laughs> I think and, then I you, and then you went, all right, now both of you at the same time. And you're like, you too big. Oh, it was amazing. I would like hear that with my mom. We were like, rewind it. And hear it. <laughs> For like five minutes, you went off on us. Oh, it was amazing. The thing I miss the most about the little parties your family would throw 
is you're the first people that ever made Coquito for me. Yeah. <laughs> and remember how much I used to attack that fucking Coquito you yeah. guys would make? Oh, yeah. My mom's would make it because she knew you were coming and you liked it. <laughs> oh, of course. I used to put away like almost like, like two gallons of that stuff, man. I, I couldn't get enough of that. I know. We had a lot of good times. And um, right now, you're working on a movie now, right? What's the What you're working well, not, on now? Not a movie, but a series. It started oh. out as a movie, but like when I was waiting for the, the last movie I made called The Martyr Maker, which is the, the you can see it on Amazon Prime as well as uh, the movie I made before that, Laugh, Killer Laugh, and the movie with Peter Green called uh, uh, Brutal or A Thousand Times More Brutal. When I was waiting for uh, The Martyr Maker to come out, I got uh, Amazon Prime and Netflix for the first time. And oh. I'm waiting for the film to come out and I was watching all the stuff they had and then I noticed they have like a lot of series that they make. And I was looking at, so, you know, outside of the famous ones that everyone knows, you know, like the famous series you always hear about, there's a lot that I saw that I was like, I never heard of this fucking thing. Yeah. And then I would look at them and I go, damn, I mean, I could do that with no money. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I just said, wait a minute. Instead of making a, uh, why don't I make it like a movie, but chop it up into episodes? So then that's what I did. I, I, I took the script that I had and I expanded it like like to uh, like almost like if I made two movies back to back and I call it Crash the System. Uh-huh. And, it, and it's like kind of like like a guy against like all the, all the you know, he's like a con artist that somehow gets tangled up with this with, with all this uh, mystery and intrigue and, and all the all these people after him and everything. And he exposes all this bullshit that's going on. And the funny thing is, this this has happened before, like all the shit that's going on right now with all these uh, protests and all this bullshit yeah. going on. But it was, bef- it, it, we wrote it before this, you know, like I, we started shooting before all this happened and, it, and now it looks like we're doing it because it happened, but no, gotcha. it was before. And everyone's saying, well, why can't you change it and show all the stuff that's going on now, but I said, no, no, it just, it would just be too much of a budget and everything. I'm going to make it look like it was like 10 years ago Mm -hmm. because like, you know, the thing that I've been learning in this business is to keep the cost low (laughs) because there's (laughs) every business money in this business, man. Oh, hell yeah. And, and how far along are you on this? Uh, you know, I'm almost finished with the first half. And and then I'm gonna start showing it to some uh, investors and everything to, to get this. The second half gets more complicated, uh, where I'm gonna need some more financing, like bigger, uh, a bigger yeah. budget. But that that's that's what this business is. It's all a series of high and lows. You you get something, you push, you get a few hooks, you, you get a couple of dollars, you start shooting, then you run out of the dollars, you got to meet more people, get more hooks. It, it's just like, it's a constant thing, but I love it. It's, it, it, it keeps me going. It, it makes me wake up in the morning. Hell yeah, that's good. And, and um, what I was going to say, um, all, so all your other ones, a bunch of them are on um, Amazon, you were saying, right? Yes, that is correct. Uh, I got them on there. You know, the biggest problem I had was not making the movie was I would always run out of money when the movie was finished. So I never had money to promote them. Yeah. And, you know, people don't realize this. Say you made a movie for three million. You need at least another six million in promotion. Crazy. You know, like, you know, people forget, like when Spider-Man comes out, you know how much promoter you see, like ads everywhere on buses and the newspaper, on TV, on the radio, on social media. That costs money. You know what I'm saying? So 
that that's the thing. If people don't know it's out, how are they going to know to watch it? So one of the biggest problems I had was I, I always would run out of money during uh, when it was finished. So a lot of these movies are very obscure. They take time before people get to know them. And then, you know, now that they see them, uh, the movie I made, Laugh, Kill, a Laugh, with uh, William Forsythe, like, it, it's, it's a big hit now. Meanwhile, the thing is, like, uh, four years old. But now mm. people are seeing it because it took this long for people, for, for people to become aware that it's out. Yeah, good. But you know what? The good part of that is kind of what you're doing now with the series thing. I think that's kind of the new wave of stuff. It's like a new people, wave. It's the, the people, yeah. Let me tell you something, because I'm, I'm, I'm the biggest fan of Breaking Bad. And I, I don't know if you ever saw it. I think I've been asking you if you saw it. You said no, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I haven't seen that. I'm like the only guy in, in the world that You're hasn't. the only guy in the world that never saw it. And it, it changed my life because, like, it was the first thing that I saw that wasn't a movie that had the feel of, like, you were watching The Godfathers. Wow. Like, like it, it was on that level. Yeah. And I said, wow, this is the first time a series done that to me. You know, I mean, there was great series before that, but this was the one that that made me feel that way. So I said, you don't need movies now when this shit is out. Yeah. Like, yeah. So so this is what this is trying to be like. Man, I, I, I should be so lucky I could make something as uh, as incredible as Breaking Bad. But I think this is nutty enough and ghetto enough because I shoot this shit so ghetto guerrilla style. That when you watch this stuff, you're just like, yo, this shit is ghetto, man. Yeah. This shit it's like <laughs> it's like almost like a hardcore band. You yeah. know, like like it's 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 a hardcore band music uh, like for movies or, or for a series, you know. It's, it's very ghetto, but some about it is real. As long right. as it's real, I think people will like it. How long it took you to, to to film the? So you said you halfway through. So is that did you do a season? Is that considered a season you did? Yeah, I'm just trying to knock out. See, I I, I wrote like a lot to be like a full movie, and I'm almost finished with the first half, which would be like one movie's worth. Uh huh. All right. I'm almost like I think I I need another week. You know, this Corona shit fucked up a lot of stuff. Like you, there's a lot of stop and start. You know, there's a you know. Yeah, and crazy. some actors get sick or some actors can't do it. There's some locations that I had, they, they canceled. Because yeah, a lot of places I was going to shoot in don't even exist anymore. They closed down for good. And and, and you got to find uh, new places, you know? But it's, the good shit is that you're still fucking doing movies. And you got, uh, this is your, uh, obviously, this is the project you're doing now. Are you already yeah. thinking of the next one? Or, or are you just cons- worried about doing this one and, and finishing up the next half of it. Well, I'm, I'm, I want to do this, but the funny thing is, is I wrote this in a way that there's a script I did, the science fiction script that I wrote, that uh, wrote it years ago, that could actually fit this story. So, oh. like, the funny thing is, is once I knock out these two seasons, I could actually make this script that I wrote be part of crash the system and i'm gonna be sneaky about it and make it look like it was always a part of it but yeah. no <laughs> yeah it's slick it's all in the yeah. edits it's all in the edits it's all in the edits. let me tell you something there's there's two movies you make the three movies the one you write the one you shoot and the one that you cut they're yeah. all they're all different yeah that's good well yo just like you there's the when you're writing your music there's there's you in a, your bedroom coming up with some riffs. Then when you get the, the band to play, it's a little different than what you envision. And then when you record the shit, you know, with edits and the way you have uh, certain instruments up front and in the background and everything, it, it's, that's even different than your original thought, right? 
Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I never thought about it like that, but it's true. I want to know what I want to know when I first became friends with you, you, we realized we were both bass players. I was always intrigued that you told me you played a fretless bass. And I thought <laughs> that was so crazy for a hardcore bass player to it, play fretless. But then you stopped. And I always wanted to know, why did you stop playing a uh, fretless bass? Uh, all right. So I'll tell you exactly. And you're right. And I talked about this in a, on another podcast with my old band members because, um, all right, I didn't know nothing about, you know, what, a, what the difference between a fretless was or this or that. I basically went to 48th Street. Right. To buy a bass. And I picked this bass up and I said, wow, this shit feels good. I'm going to get it. Ended up being a fretless bass. I never put it together that, you know, even music in our world didn't use it. I didn't even know where a fretless bass belonged, you know, what kind of music it was meant to be played with it. And then I remember showing up to a rehearsal and they're like, whoa, fretless. Yo, that's crazy. And I'm like, what? What's, you know, what's the big deal? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't understand. And they're like, yo, you know, you got to play the lines on it, right? And I'm like, what? What do you mean? Play the lines on it. Because they had no fret. And then they people started explaining it to me, like, oh, yeah, you know, jazz guys play it. And then I said, oh, shit, what the fuck did I get myself into? Basically, it was bought out of stupidity, me just thinking, oh, it feels good. And then I realized I wasn't meant to play that. So I went back to the I fucking... Know, but I, I, you know, I always thought the fact that it was so different than, than what anyone else was doing. I always thought you should have stuck with that. Yeah, you know what it was? I, I wasn't meant to play like that. Like, to you know, you know, my music didn't deserve a fretless bass. And let alone, <laughs> let alone my fingers that didn't. I could barely play. I barely play two strings as it is, let alone you're going to take frets off now and all this shit. Forget hey. it. You well, know you know, I mean? sometimes, let me tell you something. Sometimes not knowing actually uh, like makes you yeah. more creative because like when i wrote my first script the the movie that i made that the the, the guy i have a guy that plays god he plays a bum in jail that turns out to be god right but in real life he's a he was a brilliant writer he was a playwright and he would read my stuff and he would say i could tell you're not literate and i would say what do you mean not literate he says i could tell you you don't read you know fiction and I says, that's true. I, I don't. I read nonfiction. Yeah. And he goes, I sh it shows in the work because I don't see you stealing from anybody. Ah. And, and it's funny because like, I, I, I just wrote a script. I didn't even know the form. I didn't even know how to, you know, the structure. I didn't know anything. I just started writing. But it just made sense to me because I, I go by feel. And that's how the writing evolved with me. It just goes by the feel thing. And then uh, he told me a secret with writing he says every movie that you could ever imagine everything that you've ever seen basically has this storyline i go what is it he goes it starts off where you introduce whoever's in it and and then there's some kind of monkey wrench that gets thrown at them and then the third act is them trying to solve the monkey wrench and get back to normalcy and i and he says look at the godfather it's the mob right then the monkey wrench is the 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 Salazzo, uh killing and everything and how they had to yeah. get through that right and like you know, yeah, Rocky true. he's just like a regular guy then the monkey wrenches they, they want him to fight Apollo Creed and then like you see what I'm saying like every yeah. single thing you could think of it's the same basically the same thing and I said wow I didn't even know that and here I am writing that you know so like I think you buying the fretless space not knowing it, it was it was funny because like uh, maybe it maybe it helped I, I I don't know like when you hear your older music 
the, the can you hear the fretless bass? Does it sound interesting? Not, not, not so much that, but I think it helped me more with like being aware about oh, like you have to play the 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 the. I, those didn't have frets, but they had the the markings. So right. I learned that I had to play that, and made me just understand playing the bass more, like as far as finger placement on a note. Like even with the fret, the closer to the fret is the more the. So you know, note. ironically, you getting that fretless bass probably made you a better bass player without you even realizing it yeah for sure but it was definitely bought out of stupidity and not knowing (laughs) what the fuck i was doing hey listen how if you go if you look back at your life how many things did you do out of stupidity that ended up working you know oh yeah forget about it trust me i mean look at the guys that discovered mushrooms got you high i mean the shit was growing off of cow shit like who the fuck decided let's take these things off cow shit and eat them yeah, that's fucking horrible. <laughs> you know, like, so yeah, I know. Like, you know what I'm saying? I know, a hungry motherfucker. But come on. Okay. I'm, no, I'm glad I got to catch up with you. And I want everybody to go to Amazon and go. Which Say it one more time. What are the movies that are on Amazon oh, Prime have, right now? Uh, I'm very proud of this movie called The Martyr Maker, which is on Amazon Prime. And then Laugh, Killer, Laugh. And then this movie called... Yes, of course, I and a thousand times more brutal, and sometimes they just call it brutal. Brutal. Yeah, now I'm going to check that out. I didn't get to see the other ones. I didn't know they were on fucking Amazon, so I'm going to definitely yeah, look check that you. out myself. Look at you having me on your show not doing proper yeah, research. I, I know enough research. <laughs> big frijoles yeah. con arroz. Yo, Kamal, yeah. I'm glad I got to catch you on this. Definitely go support. Kamal, go check Thank out those you. movies. Um, keep an eye out for him. You're on fucking Instagram. No, you're on um Facebook and all that shit, right? I know. Um, Facebook, Twitter, all that shit. Go follow him. Go follow his movies. He's gonna when he gets fucking um when he's ready to afford me, I'll be back for my 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 next appearance. I want uh, yeah, I want you because people thought you were Orson Welles when I yeah, showed. Oh, 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 first of all, outdated motherfucker, Orson Welles. Nobody alive now. No, no joke. You. People thought you were like the Laura and Hardy. The uh, no, you, you know, Hardy. that's what you thought. You freaking, <laughs> you big Bengali freaking <laughs> buckethead. Remember, I used to say you look like. Hey, let me tune that. Hey, let me get Don Ho. <laughs> like, hey, you, you big Popeye, the freaking. Don't get me stuck. You stuff. big Don Ho after Thanksgiving <laughs> Luau. <laughs> yeah, get out of here, spam Luau. All yo, right, bro. But yo, come out. We'll talk soon. I'm glad you on again. And yo, everybody, go check them out. Oh, yeah. And by the way, um, one of these days, I'm going to find, um, I did a skit with Kamal on one of his solo um, records. I'm going to see oh, if yeah. I can get once that. A jerk, once a jerk, always a jerk. And, the, yeah. and it was a, it was called a game show, I think, uh, something yeah. like that. Yeah, you yeah. were real funny on it. So I'm going to try to, if I could get that on, I'm going to throw that shit on. But yo, we talk soon, Kamal. Peace out. And we out. The dating capital of the world. It's the dating game. And now the star of our show, Chuck Eubank. Thank you very much. Welcome to the dating game. We have three bachelors ready to win the affection of today's first lovely lady. Let's not keep them waiting any longer. And here they are. Bachelor number one is from Florida's Panhandle. He is a stock boy at a 24-hour supermarket. 
He's currently working on passing a GED and entering a methadone clinic. Meet Scott. Bachelor number two is from Oakland, California. He is a washroom attendant at an Irish pub. His hobbies include going to Irish pubs and gambling. Meet Tom. Bachelor number three is from Chicago's South Side. He currently is a janitor at a peep show theater. Just recently getting back into society after a long incarceration, meet Angel. Now we're gonna meet the woman who's gonna choose one of these three guys as her date. To prevent her from hearing anything, we keep her isolated backstage. And before we bring her out, we'll tell you a little bit about her. She hails from the Coney Island Projects of Brooklyn, New York. While in school, she was voted most likely to become a big baby factory. Her hobbies include writing graffiti and drinking 40s on a corner with her homegirls. She currently has a yeast infection from wearing the tightest fitting jeans in the world. Meet Maria. So, Maria, you're from Coney Island. I haven't been there in years. I guess you must have been on those wonderful amusement park rides countless times. Ay, Dios mío. No shit, Sherlock. Hello. I only live right there and shit. Okay, bachelors. Say hello to Maria. Bachelor number one. Yeah, what's up? Bachelor number two. <coughs> hello. And bachelor number three. Shit, I ain't wasting my time with that bitch. Okay, let's get started. Maria, you may start questioning the bachelors. Who the fuck is paging me? Oh, I'll call that bitch later. Bachelor number one, if you could be anything in my medicine cabinet, what would you be? Oh, I'd love to be a bicycle seat, but I know that won't fit in a medicine cabinet. How about a tampon? I'd like to be a tampon. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Bachelor number two, if I let you babysit my teenage daughter, would you try to take advantage? Hmm, that depends, baby. You know, how good she look. If she looks like the way I'm hoping you look, it'd be like having an appetizer before the main course. Word up. But I go off the motherfucking hook if you get that bitch pregnant. Bachelor number three, if we went out to a club together and another nigga was sweating me and I stepped to him, what would you do? Laugh my fucking ass off, then ask that nigga how much crack he just smoked. Yo. Why are you always dissing me and shit? Bachelor number one, how much money would you spend on me if we went out tonight? Um, not tonight, honey. I, I spent my money on uh, penicillin for my infected cock. Bachelor number two, oh, by the way, bachelor number one, you weak. Bachelor number two, how much money would you spend? Damn, love, I'm no better off. I gotta buy these new Nikes I just saw. But if I could lift them without getting busted, we go car blanc all the way. Damn, check you niggas out. Hello? Bachelor number three, how much money would you spend on me? That's easy. I want to spend shit on you. Suck my ass, bitch. I don't know why you think you're all that and shit. You got to come on the motherfucking dating game to get bitches? Anyway, fuck that nigga. Bachelor number one, what kind of car you have? Because I don't like walking or taking the motherfucking train or bus. Um, I could borrow my cousin's car, but fuck that jerk off. I'll punch his fucking jaw in. <laughs> you weak, homie. You are weak. Bachelor number two, how much gold you buy me if we were seeing each other? Damn, baby, it's funny you asked me that. You know, me and my boys are just ready to hit this jewelry store on my block. Figured we get over with the bullshit and we roll along. That's cool. 
Question number one. I'm going to give you another shot. If I were a spoon, what would you put on me? Duh. I'd put some coke on you, and I'd snort you. <laughs> That's getting better. That's more like it. It's this bitch again. Always paging me and shit. Que mucho jode esta pendeja, man. Bachelor number two. I got a foot fetish. If I want you to lick my big toe, would you? Damn, baby. I would suck that big, funky toe of yours so hard, I'd have to grow a mustache to hide the stretch marks on my mouth. Mmm. Thank you, baby. That sounds mad sweet. Okay, bachelor number three. I'll give you one more chance. If I were in my bedroom, butt naked, and I was waiting for you to come in, but bachelor number one and two were guarding my door, what would you do to get in? Yo, you mad bugging. First of all, I'll slap both them bitch-ass niggas. I'll go out with my boys and get some real bitches, and not some weak, stinky-ass hoe like you. Okay, our time is up on a dating game. Now, Maria, you'll have to choose one of these bachelors. Will it be bachelor number one, bachelor number two, or bachelor number three? Numero tres, papito. You picked Angel. Any particular reason? That nigga was chill. He showed me respect, and he was down with the real shit. No disrespect to one and two, but them niggas were corny. I don't give up my pussy for no corny motherfucker. Thanks, guys. There's door prizes on the way out. Now, Angel, meet Maria, and get ready to go on a long and exciting journey to... Bosnia, Herzegovina! Yes, you'll wine and dine in this beautiful Central European country. Enjoy the display of firepower. Witness ethnic cleansing and run for your life. Now back to you, Chuck. Okay, guys. Let's give everyone in our studio audience a big kiss. Mwah! So long, everybody. 